Ladies and gentlemen, we're at the comics table. We're back. We just set the table. We just folded the table. We are ready to dine and wine our new guest. And and Patrick, we have a new bouncer at the podcast today. We do. The security, it was an issue here, and uh, we needed to bring in somebody big and strong and beautiful. Who's that? Neil Rubenstein is here! How you doing, Neil? Uh, I'm good. A little uh, insulted. But he's, he's feeling insulted, Tristan. This might be a you and me versus him kind of be. vibe. You know. Why are we in the dark? Because these lights are horrible. They're horrible. Mm. It's, it's more romantic this way. All right. I feel your... like I'm like subdued, though. Like I feel like you guys are trying to keep me calm. No, We're you just know... trying to fondle you under the table. Yeah, we're trying to touch stuff. Uh, we're also trying to sidelight you because you actually look you look like Beautiful. really, really good from this kind of lighting on that side of your face. Beautiful. Like the flowing hair. Wait, are you insulted because we called you a security guard? Mm-hmm. Why is that insulting? Well, it's just like that's why people want me places. It's like, oh, Neil, like... come do our show. And then also if you could like do the door. <laughs> Has that happened yet? No. Uh, but it will. I, you know, if I were booking a show, I would have Neil Rubenstein on the show because he's fucking hilarious. You know that about him, Tristan? I've heard that. I've heard that. Are we cursing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We can say whatever the yeah. shit we want. Yeah. Hell yeah, cunt rags. Uh, oh. <laughs> what is this male narrator icon on your computer? Because it was a different one earlier. Uh, you know, it's just some kind of tits. All right. Oh, pussy wags, huh? Do a cough button over here? Just lean just, back. Just, yeah, or just cough. We're having <laughs> what we do with our guests. We bring them in and we give them peanut M&Ms and no drinks. <laughs> and, just, <laughs> and then, then we like, call them a bouncer. And then we're like, can you please get up on that mic? Like, yeah, we want to hear right up on it. We want to hear every mouth sound. We want to hear that peanut stank. <laughs> uh, so Neil Rubenstein, I love him. I like your guys' interview style. It's just like you talk to each other. Yeah. That's good. That's right. Oh, we'll bring you in at some point. Yeah, what do you think about Neil Rubenstein? I've heard. So, of, you know. so what I love about Neil, uh, no, he, he. Thank you for giving us your time tonight. We mm-hmm. appreciate you coming. Are you coming from a mic? Uh, no, actually, my uh, my wife uh, came down with uh, pharyngitis. Oh Jesus, she okay? She's fine. Uh, she's just having a rough day, so I stayed with her today. What is that? It's like the pharynx. That's in your throat. That's the it voice just gets box. inflamed. Yeah, she's like having a real hard time. Uh, Doing like pretty basic stuff. Because I've heard of like Ooh. laryngitis. Yeah, but... it's like the other part. Oh man! So she's all like her neck's all swollen up and oh, stuff. Oh jeez! Did you make her tea and stuff like that? Yeah, made her tea, made her uh, eggs. She was able to eat some. Sure, able to get some eggs down. It's a good husband right there. Yeah, yeah. Kathleen is great. Uh, should I not say names? Anyway, I don't. Know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Well, Neil's wife is great. Yeah. I've, very, never, I've never met her. Very kind soul. I bet you have. I'll bet she's been at mics you've hosted, and she has politely. Sat through you being mean to everybody in the room. Has she ever seen him? I don't know. I have no idea. Do you know? Do you know what? Let's should... call her. Let's see if yeah. she wouldn't mind. Dialing uh, she can't in. talk at all. Like she, uh, she was using like she downloaded like a voice to te- just do uh, FaceTime and she can blink. Yeah, she was doing like a text to voice app in the uh, in the apartment like the past two days, but like it doesn't like do. It doesn't do like. Let's uh, call Neil's wife right. um, Stephen Hawking. It doesn't do punctuation. Yeah, it doesn't uh, do like affectations and, and afflictions, and so uh, it just it felt like she was being mean to me all day. <laughs> so I felt bad. Like she probably why, does most days. That's why I no, hate fucking texting because you don't get the you don't get the the you do hate texting. You love returning a text with a phone call. I know, and I, that's a big pain in the fucking. I am ass. sorry, but that's why we are not friends. Oh man, mm. we're kind of friends, aren't we? Yeah, but we're not like uh, chat. On a let's, regular let's basis, ch- let's friends. change that, Neil. You're not texting I, I or calling. I will not do a phone call. There's no way. No. I feel like we call. Don't we? no. We do. We have a good text relationship. Well, you know, we we mainly know each other from a secret club that no one knows about. Yeah, called N- Nacho Boys. Narcotics Anonymous. Narcotics Anonymous. No, Nacho Boys. Colon Nacho Boys. Do we want to tell people what Nacho Boys is? I'm, it's just a writing group. It's a group yeah, of just... comics. We get together and. Uh, and and we we uh, and 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 here's the thing. I'm gonna t- say this we listen. About we listen to Kelly cry rant about the government we for forty him, minutes, and then pick a fight with the 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 staff of uh, the Thirteenth Step. <laughs> um, poor, poor Kelly's not here to defend himself. No, he, he he's he doesn't. He will. He oh, he's somewhere. He's somewhere. 
Um, but, you know, the thing is, is that, um, you know, so we all write together, you know, we talk maybe new things that we're thinking about and then get feedback. And one thing that's really great about you, Neil, is that you are really good at listening to what somebody's doing and responding to that in a way that's still in the that that's in the context and vein of what they're saying and in their voice. Like you're really good at understanding what a person's voice is and giving them feedback in what in, in that way and like what their voice would be. And uh, so you're a really good, good person to write with. I hope someone who uh, pays is listening to this. Yeah. And, uh, I would pay you if I had extra money for that. Yeah. Neil's, for, a, Neil's a joke nerd is what I call him. I tell people a lot of times, yeah, Neil Rubenstein likes to nerd out about jokes. Yeah, I just want to know. Neil, Ru- Neil Rubenstein's a fucking like, joke twerp nerd. Yeah. I, I like jokes, man. I like, I like jokes. I like writing them. You like structure? I, I, I love structure. I love, I love, I love uh, some structure. I love digging, digging in the dirt, getting digging, dirty oof, with them. Yeah, with a like with finger a, popping them. You ever finger pop a joke? <laughs> I like Hell when yeah. I like when like when you hear something. You ever you ever anally penetrate a joke? <laughs> <laughs> Most of your jokes sound like violent anal penetration. Yeah, that's that's my voice. Because everybody my... thinks they're gonna like it, and then they get in the middle of it, and like, they're like, oh, "What am hurts. I doing here? This hurts. Stop! Please stop it." But then I'm like, no, Midwestern crowd. I'm going to keep going with this joke. So, Neil, I want to bring this up. I, and stop me if you'd prefer not to talk about it. I very publicly talk about how much I love a good workshop. Mm. Like, if I could afford it, I would go to comedy workshops as if it, they were college semesters. Yep. No, I would go every semester. Me too. All right. So we met in that con- – well, we met in the mics, but we also uh, – you encouraged me to check out DeVito's workshop, yeah. which was great. Uh, how important to you are workshops and learning the craft from people who know better? Uh, well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's like a tough one. Like I like hearing from people that know better. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a workshop, but I'm always listening. Um, it, it like bums me out when people aren't listening. So like uh, someone like Ian Lara, who's you know a couple years ahead of me, or Jason Chaffield, who's a few years ahead of me, or like – if they have something to say, I'm going to listen. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to cut them off. I'm not going to be like, Oh, well I have a bit like that. I'm going to listen. And it frustrates me when I see young comics who, who don't listen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'll listen to somebody that hasn't been doing it as long as I have. I will too. Yeah. So they might have some kind of, uh, yeah, they might know. have great insight. Yeah. I, I just don't understand people who, um, who think they don't need anyone else's, uh, yeah opinions i've heard you verbalize something that bums you out in a similar way you've said it bums me out when somebody does a joke where i can hear the edits they need to make and they probably know the edits they need to make but they continue to do that joke in that way for this long uh talk about that a little bit well uh (laughs) uh well you know like when someone does a like uh too many words for instance yeah and they know it's too many words, and they're like they're getting a good reaction fifty percent of the time. I just I wonder what makes someone not want to strive to get a better reaction on a better percentage. You know, like I can I can, spe- I can speak to that because I think that I suffer from that sometimes, and I think the thing I I, I think it just comes down to um, at least for me, um, just maybe there's like some insecurity there where you're just like. Oh, well, I know that I do – like I know that this works most of the time and when I've tried to adjust it, then I've gotten nothing from it. So, um, you know, there's just kind of a little, but, little insecurity about it. Like, you have to go through that phase where you're maybe not getting anything from it until it clicks again. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. So you did a joke. You've been doing a joke a hundred times right. this one way and, it, and yeah. you're getting laughs 50 times. And then you try it three times a different way and you don't get laughs any of those three times. Right. That doesn't mean that if you did that joke a hundred times, you're not going to get a laugh ninety four of the time. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But it's it's a, just a painful process sometimes to go that's, through. But that, that's what this whole thing is. Sure. Yeah. That's why you have to do ten thousand mics or ten. But you're asking hours. like, why do people not just want to? And I think it's like, yeah, of course you'd love to have it work better. But uh, I guess I didn't mean to ask the question. Yeah. Uh, I'm just it no, frustrates ask the question. Me. No, I, it frustrates it frustrates me when they do it. I guess I know yeah. why. I can, what I want to know is how many minutes into this podcast is Tristan? Is it going to take for Tristan to realize this is an intervention into his joke writing process? <laughs> Yeah, nah. so far, really hitting all my points. 
Uh, I mean, uh, no, because like Neil and I have hosted <laughs> not as many mics as you and I have hosted together, but I will say it's fun. It's actually an interesting uh, philosophical thing. I think when you and I are hosting a mic, Tristan, I think we are. Um, uh, hmm, what is it? It's about mood and character and like, uh, like presentation and like who's 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 coming with certain energy and then when i've hosted with neil it's about two things it's about keeping a great room going and also like nerding out about how people are doing jokes who's getting funnier like it's like neil pays very close attention to people's material like i feel like you probably know a lot of people's material based on uh because you like if you hear something you like you remember it and then if you hear something that could be better you always have like a very constructive note for that person uh so it feels a little bit different hosting with the two of you. Uh, I don't. That's not a question or anything. It's yeah. just <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, do you have another guest coming after me? Yeah. Well, this was great. <laughs> no, actually, you are our last guest for the 2016 season of the comedy. Yeah, table. congratulations. Uh, you are our uh, sick. sick. Yeah, God. of this this horrible horrible year, you're gonna cap it off. Listen, I. Uh, not to bring it down, but I lost both my parents in 2013. So this year's awesome. Yeah, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people didn't like loved, this year. So, nah, yeah, well, you the, may have lost your parents, but did did Trump win that year? That's really uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's a, that's how close? Different. How close did you lose them? Like how uh, they were? Uh, it was 89 days apart, I believe. That's too oh, close. Jesus. That is too close. Holy shit. Wow, at all is, you know. Do you do jokes about that kind of stuff, like dark uh, stuff? When I first got back into it, it was like a little bit of a catharsis. Is that the word for it? Yeah. So I would use it. I would use it, but uh, I don't really do that now. I don't want to. My goals have, uh, not my goals, but my approach has shifted yeah. you know, from learning uh, what I'm doing here. I always think people should talk about the things that are like personal and close to them, but I could totally understand like not wanting to delve into that. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I talk about I, everything I talk about is as uh, real as a true story for yeah. the most part, but um, I don't, uh, I, I don't want to bum anyone out uh, in a, in a five minute set, so. you know, but I, yeah, I, I think that maybe uh, if, you know, if I get a half hour special, maybe I'll, Tr trickle that in or do you know yeah. I, ju I, ju I saw Pat Oswald recently um in the new york comedy festival and he you know has has a whole yeah. part of it just on his mm -hmm. wife and um it's it is it is some of the most amazing comedy i've seen in like maybe ever because it because you have a lump in your throat the entire time as you're laughing you know it was it was amazing i mean he was talking about this thing that is obviously so painful and personal to him but he was really funny you know yeah. like really really funny and i think that's like where where uh stand-up really becomes like an, an art form doesn't it suck that it takes so long to get to the point where you have the draw of the people who came to see you like the people who were there who had the lumps in their throats like they're there because they love pat and oswald and what he does you know uh so it's like just huge fans of king of queens man <laughs> yeah huge fans so i don't know it's just like man we got we have such a long road to get to the point where like because now it's like yeah, you better come hard with a couple dick jokes and then a couple uh, Tinder jokes, you know, whatever. Obviously, I'm being silly by saying that, but, like, we have to be so surface in a way to, like... Well, that's the fun part, man, is, like, trying to figure out what is honest and true to me that also is relatable. That appeals. Yeah, yeah. that I can get a room full of strangers to, to think I'm... Likeable and funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Neil, where are you from? I'm, I'm from Long Island originally. You're from Long Island, okay. Suffolk? So, no. God, no. Oh, Suffolk County people. Neil uh, thinks you're piles uh, of garbage. Let you, us know what you think about you, that in the are comments. Are you still out in Long Island? Uh, yeah, yeah. 516. 516. What town again, though? I'm in Bethpage now. I grew up in Plainfield. Oh, yeah. Sunrise Highway. No. Isn't that uh, on the Sunrise he Highway? He Hempstead Turnpike. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I grew up on a on a block called Southern Parkway. Yeah. But not the Southern State Parkway. So, have you ever uh, have you ever lived in the city? I lived in Philly for a little while. Yeah, for like two years. I also I worked right out of high school. I worked in the city. <laughs> like I got um, uh, I would work nights for my brother 
uh, at the Daily News, like the the truck driving uh, while well when it was like over by where Barclays Center is now, mm-hmm. Barclays Center. Um, and uh, I got a job at uh, Kim's Underground, or it was Mondo Kim's on on uh, St. Mark's, the record store. In oh, Saint the video, Mark's. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right out of high school, I got like a part time job at a record store in the city. Uh, so I mean, I've been making this commute for. Uh, just about 20 years. That's interesting because you also come from the music scene. So, like, working at Kim's... Kim, wasn't it Kim's Video? It was Kim's Underground. So, it was... Uh, Kim's Video was on... Uh, oh, First a, Or First. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, those stores, it, it's very cultural. Like, uh, it's a cultural scene. And then the music scene in general is obviously cultural. So, like, do you feel like you've been hovering around comedy for a long time? Or do you think you've... You've had all these interesting, like experiences and now you've like it's just always been entertainment yeah um, i don't know creating at some point and uh, you just left the job yeah in the similar world so yeah, talk about yeah, that yeah. i was running a nightclub uh booking talent and uh for what for for, for comedy or other things or music it sounds like no, it could be a strip music. club music yeah for music booking talent um yeah for uh like a lot of hip-hop some country and some rock and uh I don't know. I just had to, uh, I need a break. I need a break from that stuff. I need a break from, uh, being stressed out 24 hours a day. I don't want to run anything right now. I just want to worry about myself. And then, uh, I don't know if I need to get a job soon. I'll just like, honestly, I just want to like a, something I can do and leave at work and not think about how long, how long have you been married? Uh, well, uh, technically, uh, we haven't been married. Uh, Oh, you're not, but I've been with her for, 14 years oh, okay and uh we've been in the same uh residence for eight and you don't have kids or anything like that no, we're not breeding <laughs> white comedy people, says baby white people yeah. is what's wrong with the world and we're not going to make any well yeah, i'm just interested in like people that um have long-term relationships and or children and how they kind of balance that whole dynamic because i think it's it's different for everybody yeah how do, how do you how do you balance the stand-up now and especially now that you're um if you're actually just like quitting like the day job. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I mean, like, so <laughs> how, how are you, how do you, um, you know, for maybe somebody that might want to do that or like, you know, how are, how are you well, able I just, to, I just saved a bunch of money yeah. for a couple of years. So, um, I don't, I don't think that I'll make a living. I, I, I assume that I'll eventually have to go back into the workforce yeah. before, uh, this becomes a profession before this becomes a full-time profession. But in the meantime, I just want to like relax. Basically, I'm on like a little bit of a s- siesta. I guess. Well, how do sabbatical? you how do you determine? And I, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk specific numbers, but like, how do you determine that? Uh, like, all I've my made bills enough? are paid for one full year. Okay, that's what. But I But if like did. if like an emergency, if like some kind of emergency situation happened, yeah, I got a little bit of extra emergencies. And and do you have something like where you like your you both you and your wife are like on her health care care or something like that? Uh, well, or? we both have health insurance yeah have health insurance okay i'm just curious i mean it's like so much of like a it's yeah. so much like of a an adult consideration yeah. I, uh, yeah. in, you're 22 you're just like i don't care man just gonna my, you know my, mom and dad my biggest concern is my lease is up my lease and my car is up soon yeah so i'm just like uh it's gonna like eat into some of my savings more buy a junker for a thousand dollars yeah but then it's not reliable to get me to the city what does it mean when your lease is up you have to turn the car in yeah or you can, yeah like, can't you just continue an, a lease with, like, another vehicle or... Yeah. Yeah? I'm going to have to lease another car, but there's, like, a down payment. Oh, you still have to do that? Well, can't you continue to... What happens if you... I, I thought these cars, like, that you can lease with an option to buy or not really. Yeah, you can, but I uh, I got a really good deal on the lease, so, so you, to buy it would be real expensive. It's oh, but you so, have to outright buy it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't want that. I don't, I, I don't know anything about cars from, you know, living in New York yeah. for the past 12 years. And, like, I, I have a car, but it's, like, a real piece of crap. And I, I haven't really um, had any need to go out and, like, look for anything or know what that's like. I'm a huge proponent for buying, not drunkers, but just buying, paying off. Well, you got a motorcycle. I'm selling that thing. Really? Yeah, I'm scared of it now. Why? Uh, oh, because you, you, got, you, got you got hurt. 
A little slight, slight little fender bender on it, and then uh, a week after the fender bender, a guy I know died on his. And, uh, uh, yeah, that'll do. It, it just freaks me out. Yeah. If you're interested in buying a motorcycle, leave uh, leave your information in the comments. Leave it in the comments. <laughs> we're we're gonna really be pushing these comments that I'm not sure <laughs> even exist. Yeah, they think they're they, not. I think they do. They're, they're not enabled. <laughs> they're yeah. Just... yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I got to say that I did what you're doing now, Neil. I did this in December 2013. I was like, I'm not taking another job that is going to make me want to walk into traffic. So I started taking improv classes. I didn't work for probably, well, no, I did a job in that the February after that. It was like a very intense two-week job. I got a nice little check from that. And then I would just take random freelance work here and there. But, yeah, my bills were paid for for probably a full year. I was working very little and just doing mics, and it was great. And then I eventually had to start working a little bit more again. And now I'm back to working full-time probably. I guess it works out, Oh, you're too. back to full-time? I think so. Yeah. It's nearly full-time. What kind of work? Uh, just, it's TV stuff. It's more TV production now, I'm f- but it's in a fun thing that I, I love how you can just like, yeah, I'm just getting into TV again. Just do some <laughs> TV shows, man. Well, it's not glamorous. It's back, it's, to, uh, back to the fucking grind. It's a pain in the ass. I'm chained to my desk, but I guess what I'm saying is that, uh, it's so the great. The TV show is called chained to your desk. <laughs> yes. And it's, uh, it's a BDSM, uh, local access. Oh yeah. TV oh. show. Snuff film. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, money comes and money goes, I guess. And, uh, I think it's like young me, like 22 year old me would be like, oh, I just need to, I need to fucking quit everything and just do comedy. Well, and you can do that. Together. You can do that at that point. You know, I just need to find myself and like, you know, just joke, like find some more jokes about, Yeah, but it's, you can do that maybe, but it's also very black and white thinking to like, think of course that's all you need. And like, that's, of course it is, but that's know. the beauty of being young and stupid. But you sound like you're very prepared for whatever might need to happen, whether yeah. it's going back to work or whatever. I, I'm sure I'll have to go back to work. I mean, ideally I'd like to just write, you know, yeah. if, if, if a job comes along where I can just write for TV or, or, or what's the dream job. There's no limits. The the universe says you can do whatever you want. Judd Apatow. Really? Just to be Judd Apatow. <laughs> like, just to have his life right now. Where I just saw him at the cellar, uh, like, a week or two ago. I mean, I... He's doing great. I, I have realistic goals, more realistic goals, and, and you know, but, I, yeah, I'd like to be in a room. Like so you want... But you want to be, like, what, directing and writing film? I would like to be in the room writing. Uh, not necessarily... It... Uh, do you want? Do you want yeah, to be like a? Right. Do you want to be a like a? I mean, do you want to be a working stand-up, or is that just like a means to an end? Uh, I mean, yeah. If, if that could happen, yeah, that would be great. Yeah. If I could be fucking, uh, pardon me. If I could be, just, you can curse. Which doesn't. I matter. love that Neil is scared to curse. He is. Do you curse in your act? Very rarely. I say like shit once in a while. I say. Uh, I think when you're hyping up a crowd, yeah, you I, say, I drop "Let's F-bombs. fucking do yeah, this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I get when I get like amped. But I in your it. bits, you're not. You're yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Try to keep it uh, PG thirteen. We can do whatever we want in this ass bitch. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to write. I want to do stand up. So uh, whatever happens, I'm and that not is really... yeah. Judd Apatow is now. I mean, he gets to show up at the cellar and go up, go up, and then go make. By the way. Are you guys girls haters? The TV show Girls? Yeah, I can't stand it. Dude, I just Ross is rewatching it right now. It's a fucking good show. Okay. This I last season, enjoy it. I have you watched the last season? I have not watched enough of it to Why like it or I? dislike it. I'm Why telling I watch you, the last season? The first season sucked. No, the the most recent one. I'm telling you, there is very good writing in there. I would like to um, amend this by saying. Unless you want me to write for girls, <laughs> in which case it's my favorite show. You know he's. Like I the I love the girls producer. episode where um you find out that they're actually all robots. Like that is an amazing <laughs> episode. <laughs> Beep, bop, boop, boop. And that they live in the old west. It's yeah. not really Brooklyn at all. I would, west girls. Yeah, I that's a like funny to, mashup. I'd like to write. I'd like to do stand up. Um, a realistic goal would be like uh, would be like warm up comic audience warm up. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah. You'd be oh, good I could see that. that for you. Yeah, I, I really could. That. I could yeah. see that for both of you guys. So you know, it's funny. The first time I ever saw you, I thought that you were Big J Okerson. Yeah. Like I thought, yeah. like that. Oh, that's who that is. And then I was, I was like, oh wait, no, not. I'm shorter and fatter. Uh, I got to go to Big J Okerson's taping of uh, What's Your Fucking Deal, which will be airing on CISO, season two, 
at the bitter end with Neil. Neil took me to the show. We're standing online outside the venue, and Rebecca Trent is like handling loading audience in, and she comes now, right so up. Rebecca or his or Christine? No, it was Rebecca. I got oh. I was mixed up. She comes up and she's like, "Has anybody ever told you?" And Neil's just like, "Yes." And she's like, "You guys want to sit up front?" And we're like, "Yeah." So. Neil's the reason we're like in the front of the taping. That's awesome. Uh, Godfrey went in hard on Neil in a fun way. He didn't go in hard, uh, but a lot of great interaction between Neil Rubenstein and Godfrey regarding hip hop. Cause you talked about yeah, working at the yeah, venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's going to be a great, I, I really hope that's gotta be in Ooh, I'm looking forward to that yeah. one. It was his whole set. Yeah. Cause he, he like went, he kind of went in cause like I look how I look, but I sound how I sound. And so then I I played it up for him uh, more so. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what Neil Rubenstein looks like, uh, picture a uh, tiny kitten. Uh, just <laughs> A pretty little kitten. <laughs> yeah, he's so cute. He's cuddly. And he's got a little human hat. And uh, maybe he... Uh, <laughs> what would the cat's name be with a voice like that? Precious. Anyway, but he's covered Precious. in tattoos. And we already said that he looks like Big J. Uh, I'm I'm a little shorter, uh, much fatter. You're, still a, you're not that. How tall are you? And and way more tattooed. You're, not you're a like, short guy. You're like 2009 Big J. Uh, yeah. If if yeah, if Big J was into better music. Yeah. Yeah, he's a little corny with like yeah, the yeah. gloves. Yeah, yeah. And uh, some of his references sometimes, I'm like, oh yeah, like he's he's kind of corny. Like he's not the hippest guy on the planet. Like the chain wallets, the like like the hot topic uniform. You know, it's funny. There's a there's a lot of um, comics that uh, were just kind of like really in their stride in the in the late '90s, early 2000s. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, you'd see him at the, when the seller wasn't the sellout every single show, every single night place that it is right now, and um, and that, that was kind of a magical time but i think that you know yeah there's some there's definitely some like <laughs> there's some layover from that kind of he's uh stuff he's unreal regardless oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he's unreal amazing talent. i'm shitting on him for like, he, like the he most is, stupid stuff but he's amazing did he he did he have an actual set or do you do crowd work no they all just did crowd work. yeah because he's the absolute yeah. king of crowd work yeah. like well I mean, that's why he has that show yeah he i mean gosh like i've never i there's been a couple of people that i've seen do crowd work uh like a whole crowd work session that was like really funny, but like he consistently every time just destroys a room with crowd work. Yeah, but a lot of his crowd work is material. Sure, I mean, then there's plenty of people that do that, but um, you know who? Did, last night I watched. He Anthony, makes it seamless, you know. Yeah, Anthony Pazzaretti set that crowd yeah, work yeah, bit yeah, he yeah. did. I was like, that's so perfect, man. And yeah. what a fucking and you know those tags are written. Well, I but, saw him do two or three mics yesterday, and. uh I saw where he kind of came up with them. Yeah. And then, like, the next one, he did them again. Yeah. And it was like, oh, cool, good. He's good for so you, buddy. funny. Yeah. God. Uh, it's good He's bit. another person, though, like, if he, like, just a little bit of editing. Yeah. Well, you know what, though? He's in his, like, first fucking six months or some yeah. shit. And it's like, your first year, who gives a shit about editing? Just yeah. get on stage, you know? But I think. I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I no, agree. Sure. But I agree. But um, some of those kids get caught up in that. Yeah. And so, like... They have the hustle part down, but they're not. Um, I, I don't know what's the point of getting up five hundred times in a year if you're not doing the right thing. Yeah. with your time. Well, the 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 problem is, is what the right thing is, you know? Because I I can look at my own progression and like the first year I was doing comedy, like I was really doing like new stuff every single every single set, and I was coming up with new material, and I was just mm -hmm. like a fountain of material at that time. But I mean, the quality of it wasn't as good, obviously. But, but now you can go back and and polish those. those I can. Things. That's great. But but then you know now, um, I've been a little less uninspired and like whatever else, and so I end up kind of just doing like the same material, and on in some sense that that feels shitty because like I want to have like more stuff. But on the other hand, it's like that stuff gets like like polished oak. It's like really reliable, and like I know that I can go in and have a successful time with it, and. Um, and then, and then it makes me much more comfortable on stage as a performer. So, but both of those are completely opposite ends of the spectrum where you take the, something that you have and you continue to polish it and, and be, you know, know that it's consistent and that you're super comfortable. And then the other end where you're really 
I, you know, did, I probably did way more experimental things in the first year of doing comedy. Like now the closest I get is like when we host on Thursdays, a lot of times I'll just improvise the set um, and just try to keep the energy of the room like where I want it to be. But, you know, like that's the closest I get to just kind of being, you know, experimental with it. And there's, there's a, there's a beautiful freedom to that. I don't know. I think if you can combine both things, that's, that's the ideal way to, yeah, to write. That's what I think. But a lot of people. I don't see doing it. No, I think a lot of people come out there to do the exact same set, and I actually see their set get worse. Like, I'll see them start off with, like, a really strong premise and, like, really funny punches, and then they'll just degrade. It gets degraded over time until it's just a fucking wet mess, like, six months later. I liked watching you. Tonight, we had enough time for a lightning round at the end of the mic, so everybody went back up for, like, 90 seconds. I liked watching you go into a notes folder in your phone and just read some one-liners because it was, like, a good reminder that, like, yeah, you should always be ready to test out something that you have, you know, like just kind of have something available to fuck around with. And yeah. a few of those things were things I never heard you say. So I don't know. I hope uh, I hope that was inspiring for you. Yeah, no, I have a lot of material that I want to continue to develop further. And um, yeah, it's fun. I mean, too. it was all that's shit. The, like, but that's like, the <laughs> stuff I want to get into, though. Like when we when we do meet up and like, right, like bust out a one liner and like, let's yeah. dig. Yeah. Like, how do you make that one liner a fuck a five minute? Yeah, you know, peace. But you know what I want to do? Is, you know, here. Well, but see, like right now, like so, I have that. I have that whole um, come together as a nation joke yeah. that I do. That whatever, and um, it's an orgy I, joke. It's a I, sex it's, joke. It's, it's, it involves a, lots of cum. Yeah, but but the, I like the build up into it. The only problem is, is I realize the introduction to that joke and getting people into my mindset, into my world, it just takes too long, and it's not. It's not. Uh, it just doesn't get people there in the right way. So that. When I finally do get in the joke, like only fifty percent of the time are they with me. The the other fifty, like this is what just what we were talking about. Fifty percent of the time, people are like, "Oh man, that's so funny," and they're really connecting with it. And the other fifty percent, they're like, "What the fuck?" You know. And then yeah. I have to like pick. I have to get them in the middle of the joke, like your, back into okay, it. Okay, so now that's your job, right? Yeah. So your job is to figure out a way to get that opening sixty percent, and then seventy percent, right. and then eighty percent. So now you've identified the problem. It's at the beginning of that joke. Yeah. So let's write jokes for the beginning of that joke. Yeah, because all those introductory lines can have their own punchline. Yeah. So instead of you describing a situation for four sentences, right. describe four situations with four punchlines. This this is why you, you write with with Neil Rubenstein right yeah, here. This he's, is the thing. He's a joke drill instructor. Yeah. I'm serious, man. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying, like. Like you can any like any premise can be funny and any premise can be made to work. You know the funny. You're so fucking serious for a guy that's really good at writing funny shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting mad at you for like joking about my joking. <laughs> <laughs> you. It is funny how uh, Neil like. You've got to be careful with Neil. I feel like you have to. You have to you have to be tender. I've been described as uh, drawbridge open, drawbridge closed. Oh, that's like how I've been described. That I, 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 I like that. You'll like close yourself off. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. You feel like if we're threatened. going good, like the jarbridge is open, like let's party. Yeah. But then, like the minute, like you guys, like I'll be like, ah, closing the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> you guys stay on that side of the water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I mean, I, and that's something I learned, like just picking it up from talking to other comics, better comics, like the best comics. Like when you watch the best comics, they hit. 90% of the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody's perfect, right? Like, yeah. I, I, you always see someone have a bad set. But, for instance, uh, I'm going to take Ian Lara again just because, like, I just saw him. We all know him, and he's an alum of the comics table. So he, he gets on stage, and everyone's had a hard time with the same crowd. And he gets on stage, and he has worked his jokes. He's polished them. He's tinkered with them. That they work 90% of the time, 95% of the time. So he gets up there and he's going to get laughs. He's just going to tell his jokes until you start laughing. Yeah. And you're going to laugh because they're funny jokes. And that's the difference between someone who's paid attention and done their work, who done their work. That's the key. Do the, you do your work. And someone who's just like, "Oh, well I'm funny and I get laughs." Like, I'm going to rest on that and just like get yeah. up a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but get up a lot and work on those jokes, like polish that joke, like is this line not getting a laugh every time I say it? Well, 
it's time to abandon that line. Yeah. Until until I can make it work, until I can put it in a place in this set that it does get a laugh. Yeah. And and that you know, you have to tell that joke five hundred times or a thousand times. Um then there's also like uh Jason Chatfield who we've also had on here. Now twice, the only two timer. Um because she's your boyfriend. Yes. Um, I love By the him way, so much. He's my bougie woogie. One of my favorite people. He's great. Oh, yeah. so he's so great. Yeah. Um, Sorry, but he, his whole thing, I think, is is he has like he has polished jokes, but he also um, adds all these little flourishes and details and tags and everything, so that like um, it's almost like it's it feels very like, organic. It's very organic and it almost like little cilia out there, just like picking mm. things up. So it's like if this one didn't get you, this one will get you. Yeah. And they're all like right back to back to back to back. So it just kind of it'll like it'll stick to you regardless of like yeah. what which part does it. You yeah. know? Yeah, it's like he'll go from in the the voice in the bit to the voice of a character and then the voice of like the comedian performing in the room. And then he'll do a little a side tag. Yeah. Yeah. And you know. Yeah, that stuff's huge. And that stuff's so fun to perform when you are free on stage. Because I know that feeling of being free on stage where, like, I'm going to deliver my joke that's written and I'm going to deliver it as written. But I'm going to have some fun in between. I'm going to say something about the lady and how she laughed or whatever. You know, like, it's so fucking fun when I feel that freedom. But so often now, in, like, the last year of performing, it's like I'm, I'm like, all clammed up and tightened up on stage. I'm going to go back to the same point. That like when it's working, when you got everyone in the room work, like laughing at your jokes, and that's the best feeling in the world. That's yeah. why we all do it. So why wouldn't you work your ass off to right. make that every time you get on stage? Right, right. Well, you know, I don't ever want to bomb. Yeah. it sucks. Yep. And and I and I hear these kids. They're like, oh well, you got to bomb. It makes you show. Yeah, but what, unless you're taking something away from that bombing experience, unless you're Unless you're taking something away like, oh, this is what I need to do to be better. Just building armor, that that's yeah. not... It's well, actually there's, there's, there's bad two to part, build up There's two armor. parts to it, though. There's two parts. Because I think, like, a huge portion of you up there on the stage is your presentation. Like, yeah. in a way, like, it almost doesn't matter what you say if you present it right. Like, right. Um, and if they don't like you, you know, they don't like you. Right. And, and, and so of one of those things that you need to do, of course... Is to is to work on the material, the content, have the content better and better. But another part is, if you say something enough times, it gets in your bones in such a way that you can present it in a very real way. And even if the material isn't as um, solid as it can be, it still can connect with people. I kind of learned that, like I, when I was, in, I think back in two thousand, I uh, I lived in Seattle, and I was, uh, um, like I just did it like for a summer job, I like saw this flyer up that was like, Hey, we're looking for people to canvas, uh, neighborhoods for like environmental things. So this ended up being like one of the most difficult jobs I ever had. And it was literally, they give you a clipboard. Yeah, and, and so you learn that speech, right? You yeah. go door to door, you tell everybody your speech, you show them the clipboard, all that stuff. And at first it's very, it's first of all, it's, ter- it's terrifying. Cause you're like, I'm going to go to this person's house. They are not going to want to see me right off the get go. And I have to get them interested in this to the point where they're going to give me money mm-hmm. for this cause. But you say it enough times and near the end of that summer, like I knew all the parts of it and I felt it in my heart and my bones. And I, I was passion, like delivering it with them with ease and passion and uh, and all of that kind of like difficulty. And, and I think stand up is very much the same thing. You know, like if you if you deliver, even if you have the same thing, if you deliver it with a, like a like passion, it's like in your bones something to be said for that yeah and if you i think that goes to like some like actor type shit like how does an actor perform in a play like perform the same scene a hundred nights a year or whatever the hell the schedule is how does somebody deliver this the, these lines as if it's the first time they're doing it you know well it's, it's whatever the uh illusion of spontaneity yeah it's all an illusion i mean there's like a million elements to how it. do you do it well, I don't know. I'm new. Yeah, but I, you Just know, figuring it out. I'm figuring it out, man. Yeah, but how do you like like? So the only you... thing that I'm confident about is the writing of the joke. That's the only thing that I'm confident. All about. All right, where are your weak Everything spots? Else, what are you scared I'd love about? If, you were, if Neil, I would love if you're like. By the way, I've been doing this for three months. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been writing jokes since 2004. What's uh? What what keeps you up at night? What's most frustrating for you? I, I'm still concerned uh, that I don't have 
um, a definitive voice. Yeah. Like, so you guys see me a lot at the mics where I'm like comfortable. I'm surrounded by people I know. So I'm like more me. Um, but that doesn't always translate. The drawbridge is open. Yeah. Right. And that doesn't always translate when I do sets at clubs. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a, there's a slight variation in the character. And I mean, it's slight. No, I know exactly what you're saying because I've seen it. I've seen you at the mics. I've seen you at the club. I've seen you in the writing. And and the same thing goes with George Fernandez, whom I hope we can get on this uh, in the new year. Um, in the um, but uh, like but like you have a you have a uh, George has like a like a very defined character. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's it's very very defined. And if he is not a hundred percent that character, like it just falls flat. But if he's a hundred percent that character. I think somebody has said this, like he could literally like just read stuff out yeah, of the phone book anything, and yeah. it's hilarious because it's all about that character. Now you have a certain presentation. It's not as, um, it's not as extreme as George's. I'm calmer yeah. in the club than I am at a mic. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, but um, you could get by with your, your character not being a hundred percent on point. Right. But, um, I definitely suffer, um, What's the word? Uh, Confidence. Joke. Uh, laugh to character. Uh, mm. there's, a, there's a direct correlation. So when I'm when I'm more committed, I sell things better. Um, yeah, I get the better laughs. But you know, um, it's a defense mechanism. I think ultimately is like I am scared of bombing, so I come on stage in a room that I'm not comfortable, and I present this kind of like I don't care. Yeah, and. That shows, and then I don't care, so they don't care, and then I don't get as big a laughs. My jokes are still strong, or I think my jokes are still strong, so I still get some laughs, but I definitely don't get. Uh, I th- like I did this. I did that bar show with Chatfield the other day. Yeah, and that was like my strongest set in a while. Mm-hmm. And there was adversity after adversity, and I did the whole I don't care, but I did it in a way where it was like. Not, not, I don't care. Fuck you guys. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I was like a little higher energy. A like little it added higher to energy. your confidence. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. a little higher energy than I normally am. Um, I curse more than I normally do. Even Kathleen was like, you said fuck a lot. <laughs> like, I know, I know. Um, well, the mic cut out too. Yeah, I had to put the mic away. You know, Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins. Is that is that his name? Tony Robbins. The life coach, Tony Robbins? Tony Robbins. Tim, Have you guys watched Tim his, Robbins. Have you watched his the film? Hudsucker Proxy? Have you watched the Anthony Robkin, Robkins documentary? <laughs> the Anthony uh, Hopkins documentary, Hudsucker Proxy? Yes. In the documentary, he's doing these huge self-help conferences, and he talks about cursing. And he says, I curse because sometimes people need to hear strong language in order to get their attention. Yeah. And the mic cut out, so you cursed, and it fucking worked for you. Yeah. I mean, I put the mic away, and I just was shouting at a bar. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, whatever. Dude, I was struggling, uh, like, maybe four months ago. I was just, like, really hating how my sets were going, and I hung out with Alzo one night, and he was like, you know what I noticed about you is you're not as confident as you were at your first mics. Because I met him at some of my first mics. And he thought I was funny at my first mics. And I, I, he's, he's a guy that's not going to bullshit you. And I really admire his comedy. And he was like, you're, def- you're just not as confident as you were. I so, know a lot of people that that happens to. It's very interesting. Yeah. Well, you guys, you guys are familiar with the uh, competent confidence graph? Uh, the more competent you are, the less confident you are because you know how hard the art form you sort chose. Sort of. Is. Eventually you get back. I would get back to it. But you have like this unconscious confidence. You're, uh, I'm sorry, it's called uh, incompetent confidence. Yes. At the beginning. Yes. You don't know better, so you're like, ah, I can do this. Yes. Ah, here's a joke. Laugh. And yeah. everyone's like, oh, all right, that's pretty good for a, a dummy. Yeah. And then you get conscious of Well, also, nobody knows how long a person is doing comedy. They're just, they just kind of, like, with, as an audience member, you don't know. You can tell. I can tell. Yeah, yeah you, you can, can tell. But, yeah, I've seen fucking... Audiences of cool people laugh really hard at people. I'm like, this kid is fucking garbage and he's a cocky little son of a bitch. But then he kills it because he fucking believes in himself. Yeah, but he's ki- no, but he's killing he's killing this one time. He's not going to kill consistently. Yeah, no, I know that. Because yeah. his material isn't 100%. His yeah. material is not 90%. And also six of his friends are in the room. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying about the whole like the whole 50%, 60% thing. Like 
Your jokes are great. Yeah, they're great. They're funny. And they're going to hit 50% of the time. You've got to get that ratio up. Yeah. You have to well, get you know, ratio. part of, uh, part and of that learning. And that comes from just taking out one word, moving one line somewhere. Yeah. And you just have to look at it. You have to look at it unbiased. Yeah. I think that's part of the learning process, though. Like we were talking earlier about, like, you know, you're going to listen to when comics have something to say to you. You know, like, yeah. especially if they've been doing it longer. But the reason why I also listen to people that have not been doing it as long, because sometimes they can have some insight in their ignorance of, of it yeah. that that maybe you can, like, figure out the thing that you used to know, right. you know, in the context of where you are now through looking at through looking through the eyes of somebody that's just getting started and, and at least had the confidence to get up there on stage and then f- and believes in what they're saying, even if they, did, you know, yeah. Don't real don't realize like the level of you know ability they actually have at the moment. You know what I think people should like people that struggle with confidence and like presentation. Uh, I think do you do you think this is true? Like I played in bands, you played music. Well, yeah, I mean, you get is on that, stage like stage time yeah, in general. Stage time in general. I mean, it's about reps, you know, back end up, but also. Um, uh, it's corny to say, but like that Toastmaster stuff. That stuff's all really real. Yeah. Um, any of those like self help things, like any kind of those, like you, you know, what's like a good thing is like um, improv for business people, mm, mm-hmm. where it's like not so much about the games, but more about icebreakers. Yeah, that stuff's really good to get you like uh, you know centered in the room. I think improv is great for everybody. Yeah, I think it, it helps you learn how to listen. It it helps you learn how to see what's I, going on in somebody's I, face. I think, yeah, the tool improv is very very valuable. Yeah. Uh, don't run out and sign up for an improv class because you're going to – if you're a 40-year-old man, you're going to be in a class with a bunch of 17-year-old kids. <laughs> you're going to feel like an asshole. We it's were just not, talking about this. It's going to defeat yeah, we It's going to defeat the purpose. But like you know, improv for business people if you're older or you know, take there's, – there's enough themed well, you classes do, out there. You want to do the environment that's going to be comfortable Yeah, there's for enough you. themed classes. But I think the right anybody one. can do it. I mean I've seen – Yeah, of course. And you know what? I've seen 50-year-old folks – get started in, in improv with younger folks. I think the only thing that happens is then they get swept up in like, you have like, Oh, this 20 year old girl. And then this 50 year old woman like are in the same class together. And the 20 year old is like trying to progress ahead. And she's going to be able to do that because she's young. She's, she's super mentally flexible because just like, she still hasn't like figured out her shit yet anyway. And you know, whatever. And then you have this 50 year old woman that's like very established, in her life and knows like who she is and what she wants. She's sexy. Um, <laughs> like in in this hypothetical scenario. Yeah. Okay. She's great. Brunette. But <laughs> are we describing Ross in like uh, 20 years? No, or I just like, I like older women. <laughs> you know what? Let's uh, <laughs> on wait. That- I just wait while we're here though. I just yeah. want to make one more corny suggestion and this out corny is all you guys. And it actually out douchebags it at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Pickup artist culture. Yeah. I never got very involved in that shit, but no. I did read that book that was floating around the game. Oh, and that actually made my drinking horrible because it was like, oh, there's ways to control social situations with just like how I act and how I hold my body and how I respond to things people say. And uh, I, I hate to admit it, but that stuff, there's, there is like, oh, and the laws of seduction, nah. like shit like that. Uh, nah. I think used properly, <laughs> used appropriately, nah. it could help. It can help certain people. Some yeah, people need that. There's better ways. Don't read that book. Okay. <laughs> well, look, I think uh, I gave fuck, enough disclaimer to say that. It's, fuck that whole culture. Don't bother with it. Please uh, just go take it. On this note, I wanted to find out from you, Neil. Um, you know, we're talking a lot about comedy and we, we obviously do that in the comics table. One thing we also talk about is just like life in general. Um, I You know, I don't know a ton about you and I'm interested in like, you know who's Neil outside of comedy? Do you have what are you interested in outside of this? I mean, obviously you have the hip hop thing going on. Like, you know, are you angry at me now because I asked you this? No, question. I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I, listen, I, I like a lot of music. I like a lot of. Uh, I like comedy a lot. Neil's got a podcast. Oh yeah, I have a podcast. Yeah, uh, what's what's the podcast? Uh, in traffic with Neil Rubenstein. How 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 deep into it are you? I am uh, sixty episodes in. Oh, okay, wow, a lot of episodes. Yeah, uh, we our, our last uh, our last episode was Santi Espinosa, and he's uh, in the fiftieth, fifty fourth episode, I guess. For so brunch get, buddies, for brunch buddies. Not so you guys podcast. are, uh, yeah, that's some serious podcasting. Yeah. Well, I do it. Um, yeah, I try to get some good guests. Uh, 
Like I just had Ian Lara, which is why like all that stuff's fresh in my head. Um, I have like had Sarah Tolomash, uh, Rick Glassman, uh, Chris Roach from uh, Kevin Can Wait, one of the writers from Kevin Can Wait, Pete Hora. Uh, Peter Hora, who I, I go back with and very... Yeah. Neil and I have this interesting thing where our social lives from 10 years ago overlap. Or 15 years ago for me. Yeah, probably. well, I think it's 15 for both, probably. Back when you guys were 10, right? Yeah, yeah. We and uh, a lot of musicians too. A couple of the guys from Taking Back Sunday. A couple of the guys from Bayside. Um, Bayside. Well, I you know I ask about some of this stuff oh, because I think um, I think sometimes comedians get so wrapped up in comedy um, and writing jokes and everything. I think that's great, but I mean, if you don't live a life and like have other interests, then you're not going to have stuff to write about. Yeah, well, I'm extremely interested in hanging out with my wife. I yeah. spent a lot of time with her, and uh, I that's uh, one of the best things. Do you in ever the world. do you ever do jokes about your wife or your relationship? Or uh, not really? Yeah, I have a couple in there. I, like I peed on her once, not sexually. I have a joke about it. Um, uh, that might be it. I gave her food poisoning once. You've got um, jokes about your sister. Yeah, you've got jokes. Well, you haven't done. Jo- I want you to do jokes about some of these jobs you've had. I won't get into details, but Neil has worked on the fringes of society. There's been some managing uh, operations. There's been some... uh, Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to talk about any of that stuff. Uh, I'm going to keep it vague. Oh, you don't know you're going to talk about it in comedy. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's great, though. Uh, Because it's like... Like, we were talking about how, like, your four-sentence introduction is going to lose people. You need to get, like, get in there tighter. You need to just introduce, like... Each little bullet point is a joke. That stuff, that like fringe uh, subculture stuff, it, it raises so many questions and it distracts the audience so much. It cracks these other new eggs. Yeah. So it's like if I have like, you know, if I'm writing for an hour special, like if I'm doing like a Colin Quinn, like if I get up to a point in my career where I can do like a Colin Quinn thing where like this one is all about the Constitution and this one is all about the, you know, New the, York, the melting pot of New York. Like then I can be like, all right, well, this is all about life inside the CD underground poker scene in New York in the early 2000s. Yeah. Something like that. Have you and Mike Murkovich connected on that? Uh, that's how we know each other. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So wait, were you like a professional poker player or something like that? Uh, I dealt uh, dealt cards for a while in the New York scene and then uh, I ran a room. But was it like it was underground? Yeah, illegal. Yeah, yeah. That sounds awesome. Right? <laughs> Don't you want to hear like stories I do, from that? I do, yeah. I'm... I love the movie Rounders, you guys. Well, like that's the thing. Like <laughs> Ed I, Norton. I mean, I'd like to write. Uh, yeah, he's in that. Yeah. I write to like. I'd like to write a movie. You know, like a like I have a, a feature length beat out that's not written. Like where it's, it's about that. It's beat not, out my brother. I'm going to address my brother. That means he's got an outline for it. Yeah. Um. It's not. I mean, it's not about poker because that's like I don't know. I've yeah, but look, the interesting that, thing. It's it, the story. Yeah, the story. It's the. It's the and New York is this city that, that, like, there's so many layers to this city, yep. yeah. and you can live here three lifetimes over and not experience a fraction of it. Yeah. So it's so interesting to kind of, like, know, like, what what's the deal? Like, what actually, you know, what's going on? What's, like, some of the things that are happening in this city that you don't even know about, you know? Yeah. The building um, that DeVito's classes are in, mm-hmm. there's a poker room in that building. That's, like, nobody knows that's what's in there. Yeah, you walk by it every day, and I'm like, oh, that's a poker room. Yeah. That's funny, and like you can tell, are they? But are they? But here's the thing: when I think when people think about that, they probably think about like really like smoky, like classy. Uh, and there could be like it could just be like a fluorescent room, like fluorescent lights in a yeah. It could be this room, yeah, with this to you know, but yeah. huge, huge stacks of money, right? Uh, not necessarily one two game or whatever. That is actually one thing I always wanted to get good at was, um. Not not for any particular reason other than just I enjoy it, like, playing poker. That's, like, a real misconception, man, is, like, so on Long Island, we would get robbed, like, every, like, six months. Mm. It was like, what are you doing? You're not getting that much money. Like, when we catch you, <laughs> yeah. like, it's not going to be worth it. Yeah. But, you know, so it's not a lot of money in the rooms. I not love really. I mean, it's a lot of money for, like, uh, like a, you know, more money than, let's say, a, you know, robbing a laughing Buddha comedy do you, open mic. Do you think your physical presence has driven some of your career opportunities? Yeah, you get mixed up with this stuff. Just because you're like you're a big guy. Yeah, when I was younger, I mean, I never did drugs or alcohol or anything, but like I ran with a bunch of guys back in the day, and like 
they were like, oh, we're going on a drug run. We could use, like, a guy sitting in the car that looks like you. Have you yeah. ever even punched somebody in the face? Yeah, of course. Are you good at it? I feel like Not as more. you're throwing a punch, you're like feeling bad about it. Um, Unless they deserve yeah, it. Yeah, it depends on the person. No, I don't know. I, yeah, I guess it's. Uh, I don't know. The most recent person I hit, I apologize to. <laughs> when was that? <laughs> this it was is... like before I left my wife at home. No, today. yeah, it was my wife. Uh, In the last year? Uh, yeah, it was St. Patrick's Day. At yeah. the club? Yeah. Rowdy drunk kid? Yeah, it's, I mean it's a long story. My, yeah, it's a long story. But yeah, kid uh, spit on one of my guys. I have like a really strong relationship with my security staff at, at work. Yeah, um, just because they go to war for you every day. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So one of the kids like spit on one of my guys, and I just, I just like hauled off and hit him. And then I felt, you know, I felt bad because like I can't just like I can't just hit someone at work. And also, like this kid's brain damaged now, and I just uh... no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't just hit someone at work because like if I. If I put my hands on someone, I got nine guys in yellow shirts dragging them out, choking. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, so I felt bad for the kid afterward. Like ah, man, like he doesn't really deserve all that, you know. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. He won't probably spit on somebody again. I don't know. He was drunk, so he probably thinks it wasn't his fault. Why are you doing this? You choked me out for no reason. Yeah, because he's a drunk idiot. But thank God you don't work there anymore. Hearing these stories, I'm like, yeah, you can't be working there. Yeah. <laughs> I got thrown out of a, a bar one time because I was uh, playing pool with this, like, uh, pretty girl and uh, who I didn't, you know, had no interest in whatsoever. It was just like I wanted to play pool. And this guy comes up and he's trying to shine her on and he's like, oh, yeah, you're doing great. And and uh, she made some kind of bullshit thing. She, like, sunk the ball. And so I was like, okay, my turn. And the guy was like, no, it, that was a mistake. Like, it's still her turn. I'm like, dude, you're not playing this game. Like, like, what are you talking like? And I was just like, who the hell, you know, who the hell are you? And he's like, and he got like pissed off at me talking to him and he, like that. He was like, and I, what I didn't know is he was a bouncer there uh, and I had no idea. Yeah. And he was just, and he was trying to like look, impress this girl at the table who yeah. was definitely had no interest in him. And, uh, and so I ended up getting tossed out cause I talked back to him. Yeah. Well, love that kind of thing. And then I had some friends on the street uh, uh, and they were just like, I was like, let's just go. And they they were like, no, no. What's up, man? And they were jumping around and like screaming. And I was. Yeah. Like, well, that never ends well. For uh, Don't, I mean, in general, bouncers. No, uh, it's not going to do anything. Nobody's going to be like, oh, you know what? Come on back in. Yeah, My mistake. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that story. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> uh, I think that, I think that stuff's, uh, I think that's an interesting part of life. That's what we do. Jo- I, I, like I mean, at some point you're going like to have to talk about it. Yeah. You're, you're such a prolific writer that you're going to have to scrape all the way down to. The yeah, no. The I, and I'm glad to, uh, when the time is right, uh, right now I get five minutes, yeah. uh, seven minutes, sometimes up to 12. So I don't yeah. need to, I, I'm not going to get in there. Yet. Well, you know, that's in it. I mean, we don't have too much time left, but I so, think one of the interesting things with that is, is the idea of like, whether you write a joke in the vein of, um, you know, I have to write these little uh, little pieces that are like set up punchline, set up punchline, set up punchline. They'll have to be kind of different things. Or if you can just take a subject matter and like riff on it for five minutes and do a lot of punches all along talking about it because I think that's equally valid. Well, that's – I mean that's where I'm at right now I think. Uh, my most recent pieces are, uh, you know, a little bit longer form but still like set up punch, punch, set up punch, punch, punch. Packing them punch, in. Punch. Yeah, like then, I love like, but then you apologize after every punch. Yeah. <laughs> like I get, I get com like I take you know workshops all the time. I get compliments from like old vets all the time. Like, oh well, your writing's there. Like, this, I love that. I love hearing it. But yeah, I just need my performance to get there. Yeah, what are you doing right now? You're working with Clayton Fletcher. Uh, yeah, I'm just doing like a quick little workshop with him. And you recommend it? Yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Joe DeVito are. Uh, you know, I want to say to any new comics listening and you think you might want to take a class, fucking do it. It'll make my experience of watching you at Mike's way more enjoyable. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I think um, I think classes can be helpful, but I think that, that a, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, I think a comedy class is like most useful when you're first starting and you want to get that first five minutes together and you want to like meet, start meeting a community of comics. But like once you have all that, yeah, I would. I take value yeah. from it every time. Yeah, Devito, uh, Devito kind of changed how I write. Yeah, I mean, I I get up fifteen, twenty times a week, 
and I'll still take a class. I uh, get value out of it. I find yeah. value out of it. For both, yeah. you know, networking, you get to know people a little bit better that you wouldn't ordinarily know. You get input from great, you know, you know great comedic minds. Yeah. I, I guess that's it right now. I guess the lesson is uh, you can always learn something new. That's true. Yeah. Neil, do you have any shows or anything coming up you want to plug? Nah, man. In Traffic with Neil Rubenstein, iTunes, or in trafficpodcast.com. Great, great cover art. The best poster I've ever seen for a podcast. Thanks, man. Neil, thank you so much for coming on the comics table. Yeah, no, thanks, thanks for Neil. having me, man. Guys, I'm going to fold up this tablecloth. I'll get the chairs. Is there food? Is there a food situation? Oh, it got cold. I'm making meatballs. All right. All right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.